love Hack. I mean, Hack is Hack's my guy. I love him and, and Megan and the kids. They're really special to me. Like we really bonded when, uh, when he was in Green Bay. Uh, he made it fun. He made the room fun. Made the weeks fun. Just tried to help him as much as I could. Um, learned a lot from him as well. You know, just from a human being standpoint. Uh, I mean, he's a great person. Someone that, that I see a lot of myself in. Uh, so it's great for me to just be able to have a quarterback room like we did throughout the year. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni! I think the first thing I should say is I hate you both. I do know this without even looking at an evaluation. Zeke was a, a lot more incremental to the success that we had than his rushing yards indicate. But you do want him? I believe that. You do want him back next year? Would like to have him back next year, yes. You would like, you would like to have yes, him would like to have him back. Windows my whole career. He plays the game the right way. I mean, that's why he had so much success. Um, it's just super exciting for him. You know, he, he worked his butt off uh, all OTAs since, since the first day he got here, since the day he got drafted. Um, so he deserved everything, everything he got this year and more. Uh, and I truly believe that. Bob, square pants. I wish you guys could see Jimmy being back. And if so, what, what would that look like? No, I don't see any scenario of that. I just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. All right, two things. First off, um, the mayor of Cincinnati, who Travis Kelsey yelled at because the mayor of Cincinnati put a video out asking Joe Burrow to take a paternity test to prove he's the father of Patrick Mahomes. He did tweet out like, yep, I deserve that. Oh, he tweeted out the, uh, yeah, the mayor. Yeah. yeah, he did. So I kind of, I think I kind of like that mayor. Yeah, he, he, he stood up. He yeah. didn't like. He didn't like run from it. Right. He kind of tra- talked trash. Yeah. Team lost and he said, I'm sorry, high. Cincinnati. Kind of like that guy. Um, also, that was Jerry Jones uh, somewhere in there talking about wanting to bring back Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott. Elliott. Did you see uh, Tim Kalashaw's tweet about that quote? Ezekiel Elliott's last 50 carries of the season gained 100 yards. Well, you want to bring it back at a reduced rate then. <laughs> well, that's that's why he said incremental, not instrumental. <laughs> 50 carries, 100 yards for Zeke. And I believe, if I remember the tweet correctly, his longest run in that 50 carries was nine yards. Oh, oh that's pretty good. That's more than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, for but 50 also, for, yeah, 50 for 100. Also, that means 49 for 91. Right. <laughs> so that average just went way, way down. down. Not going to be. I mean, just think if he had had like a 25-yard run and it was still only 150 carries. Would have been terrible. So yeah, they apparently want to bring Zeke back. He's reduced rate. If they did not restructure his contract, he would have, I believe, it's a nineteen million dollar no chance next year, which would be the second highest in the league. No chance. Yeah, you are cutting that, and hey, we'll pay you a million dollars to come back right. and the only pass thing, gain fifty yards and hundred yeah. carries. I mean, I I do believe he's still graded out really well as a pass protector. Like, because there, because earlier in the year they were like, "Why is Tony Pollard not playing more on passing downs?" It's like, "Oh, well, Zeke, he blocks everybody." Yeah, you see this middle linebacker running at somebody. <laughs> so he's still like, there's still value probably some value there, but it's you know a million dollar contract, not nineteen dollar or nineteen million dollar cap hit. All right, Tom Brady retires yesterday. Uh, Raiders cannot sign him. Uh, well, maybe they can't. Maybe comes one out day of contract. You're right. Um, but does Brady retiring help the Raiders? In terms of Derek Carr has one more team he could be traded to? Or in terms of they can't sign Tom Brady and make a mistake, if you think that was going to be a mistake. (laughs) 
<laughs> because it probably was going to be a mistake, but at least it would have been fun. Uh, I think it, it does help them in terms of they have a better chance of preparing themselves for the future now, right? Because if they sure. if you go and get Brady, then you're basically I mean, you're, saying we're going all in on 2023. Yeah, yeah. Just like they went all in on the last time and it right. didn't work out. But it, taking Dave Ziegler's quotes from earlier in the show about rookie quarterbacks and how valuable that is and not wanting to spend all their cap space on one or two players, th- not going after Brady or Brady retiring and not letting him come after him, it gives them a much better opportunity to set themselves up for the future and not really, hey, we're going all in on a 6-11 and 11 team that we added Tom Brady to when he's 47 right. years old, which probably have been dumb. Um, but the other aspect is the trading of Derek Carr, one more team needs a quarterback, Tampa Bay, and other teams like the Jets or the Colts or the Commanders or whoever can't chase after Tom Brady. You eliminate a quarterback option because he retired. Do you think that has a significant impact on Carr's next destination and what the Raiders are able to do with Carr? I'm not so sure about that because I'm not so sure they're going to get a trade partner for him. So if they don't get a trade partner for him and they just release him, then he's on his own to make the trade. So, all right, let's let's put ourselves in the shoes of the Jets. Let's just use them as an example. What is your order of operations for offseason quarterback? Well, according to the owner, everything. <laughs> because the owner came out and said, we will do anything at all to get the quarterback we want. So Brady's off the table. If you're the Jets, is your new number one option? Oh, like the Broncos, your number two number one option. Is it Aaron Aaron Rodgers? Is that what we think? I think the Jets are Jets or Aaron Rodgers. Do you want me to replay him talking about how much he loves hack? Is <laughs> that's so what if, he said? If, yeah. if Rodgers is number one, what's number two? Could be Derek Carr. I think it might be Carr. Now Garoppolo is a free agent. Gino, um, you don't have to trade for Garoppolo. Gino Smith could be a free agent. Uh, maybe Seattle brings him back, but maybe Geno Smith is a free agent. So there's there's a, one and maybe two other guys that you could argue are as good as or close to as good as Carr. It's Derek Carr. And you don't have to trade for him. So they maybe Garoppolo's ahead of Carr. But I do think it's realistic to say a team like the Jets might be looking out there and saying, Rodgers is our number one option. Carr is our number two. Carr is our number two. And if that's the case... The Raiders have to wait on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but it goes against what Ziegler said yesterday, right? No, no, not to get him. They have to oh, wait on Aaron to, Rodgers. They have to wait to on decide. him to make a decision on where he's going to go. Because if if or where they're going, yeah, if where you're gonna if trade him. using the Jets as the example, but I'm you know all the teams in the league might do this that need a quarterback. Are you going to trade for Carr while Rodgers could potentially be moved? No. Maybe if you're like the commanders and you're like, ah, Rodgers is never going to come play for us, then we'll just move on to whoever we want. So maybe he wants his leg injured. Maybe the commanders or somebody would say, we're never going to get Rodgers. We'll just go to our, the number two option. But the Raiders might, in all honesty, Aaron Rodgers' decision here slash the Packers' decision because he can't just make his own trade. But the Raiders' moving car is probably dependent upon when Aaron Rodgers and the Packers decide what they're going to do. Well, we've talked about this. Do you think do you think there's still an option of keeping him and then trading him? Yeah, I, I still think that's going to be the best case scenario. Unless, unless Rodgers and the Packers have some sort of finalized decision 
in the net. What is it? February 15th. So they got two weeks unless Rogers and the Packers have some sort of finalized decision in the next week or so. Then I think the best case scenario is to hold on to car, right? Because I don't think teams are going to trade for car until Rogers situation is figured out. Even though I think Rogers is staying. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is starting week one for the green Bay Packers right. next year. But if you're the jets, you're holding out hope. If you're the Jets, you're saying, all right, it's not guaranteed that he's starting there, so we're going to wait and see and whatever. We don't care about Derek Carr that much to to dump our chances of Rodgers to go get Carr. So Rodgers kind of has held the Packers hostage for two offseasons. And now I think he's kind of holding the Raiders hostage, even though he might not ever even play here, which is funny to think about because they need to move Carr and nobody will actually do it. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right about waiting for Rodgers to fall, but there will be people interested in trading for Derek Carr. Yes. I just don't know what the value is going to be in terms of when when he's available and if you take the chance that you just wait until they keep him and then trade for him. Would So, all right, let me take the commanders as an as a example to, to ask this question. If you're the commanders and you don't have a chance at getting Rodgers, but you want a quarterback, would you consider trading for Carr before that February 15th deadline so that you guarantee that you get Carr? Get your number two option. And he doesn't go to free agency where at that point... I mean, I guess it depends on what they want for him. Right, right. But like I, I do think I do think there is a reason for other teams to come to the Raiders before February fifteenth. Now again, Carr has to Carr's got to waive the no trade clause and all that. But if the Commanders came to the Raiders and said, "Hey, you're what you're the first round pick. You're asking prices the first round. All right, we'll give you a first round pick for Carr, and we'll do it before February fifteenth. That way, uh, he's ours. We can renegotiate a new contract with him and." We've got our quarterback in place, and we don't risk losing him, if that's who they want, right. to free agency because once he becomes a free agent, the Colts, the Jets, whoever, could come in and sign him for more money. I do think there's reason for a team like the the Commanders to push for something to happen before February 15th, even though I don't know many teams will do that. I think most teams will wait and say, all right, cut him. Right. And then has just added to the Garoppolo, maybe Geno Smith pile of free agent quarterbacks. Free agent quarterbacks that you want to sign. Yeah. So it's a, the, man, the way they structured that contract is made it a very complex situation. Like that whole, hey, it's not guaranteed until February 15th. What a great clause. Because it's the most complicated thing right now. Because they, he's got a no trade clause. They can't just trade him. But they also kind of need to trade him before February 15th. Or they just hold him and it's great. Phenomenal content producer by that contract. I'm just, I keep, I'm, if you're going to trade for somebody and you don't think you can get Aaron Rodgers, why wouldn't you be calling the, the Ravens before you call the Raiders? Well, he's not actually under contract yet. You can't actually trade for Lamar Jackson right now. You can't. Are you, I kind of thought that you kind of could because of the season, or the. Technically, you can't trade for anybody right well, now. Well, yes. Technically, it'd be a verbal agreement. It'd be legal tampering. Right. But Lamar Jackson does not have a contract, so you're not trading for anything. But the Ravens can slap. Sign and trade. You have to wait for the Ravens to slap the franchise tag, which I think, does that start this month? Maybe it's next month. But you have to wait for the Ravens to put the franchise tag on him, and then you could work out a trade, which right. you'd have to sign him to a new which deal. Which I think they're going to do. Right. 
So I think I they're going to tag him. I don't. Man. I mean, you could call the Ravens and say, "Hey, hey, I'm about to offer this for Derek Carr. Would you? <laughs> would that be yeah. something that would interest you? Hey, tag that guy, and then yeah. I'll trade for him. That actually, man, that's what the Raiders should do. They should go <laughs> tag that guy. We'll give you Derek Carr. <laughs> the and and again, the other issue with Lamar Jackson is if the Ravens tag him and then trade him, the team that's acquiring him has to give him a new deal. He doesn't. You he you can't play on the franchise right. tag for another team because that's what franchise means. right. <laughs> so so for that to work, if I'm the other team, I have to have basically already agreed to a deal with Lamar Jackson. And right, right. The only deal he appears to, to be agreeing to is a fully is, guaranteed is a full deal. guarantee deal. Okay, but see, the Ravens want some sort of long term miss like weird guarantees. Derek Carr has that as a contract already. <laughs> So you ship that in a first round pick, and you go, yeah, and we'll just take uh, we'll take your guy that you just put on the franchise tag. Yeah, we'll take him off your hands. Then you got to give him the fully guaranteed deal. Two years, fully guaranteed. <laughs> I think he wants a little more than that. Coming up next, one year, fully guaranteed on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Bischoff's briefs. Bischoff's briefs. How was the game? Not very good. Have you ever seen a good hockey game? No. Me neither. I love sports. I just can't get next to hockey. Bischoff's brief. See, I think Americans like to savor situations. One down, bottom of the ninth. One run game, first and third. Left-handed batter, right-hand reliever. Infield, a double play depth. Here's the pitch. Bischoff's briefs. What's going in hockey? It seems to come out of nowhere. The play-by-play guy is always shocked. Lepetier. Passes to Huckenchuck, who skates past the blue line. Huckenchuck, of course, was traded from Winnipeg for a case of Labatt's after sitting out last season with, oh my God, he scores! Bischoff's Briefs. Yesterday, UNLV football signed 18 more players on the February signing day. They have signed 25 total between the early and late signing periods. 14 high schoolers, seven transfers from FBS schools, and four transfers from junior colleges. Uh, did you have any takeaways from Barry Odom yesterday? Uh, same as Mike. Um, I thought because he had made a such an overall um, desire to get into the local high schools, he's visited every he, – well, I don't know if he has, but he and his staff has visited everyone. They've had him over to the facility. I thought there might be more local kids uh, than there were. I think there was one from Nevada. But he said that he's going to really make that a priority next season. So we'll see next year. So we'll see. Um, Kid from LSU, the transfer, seems to be someone they, they're excited about, the linebacker defensive end. Um, seven portal chancers. I guess that's about right for a guy who does says he doesn't want to get completely into the portal. But for this first class, um, I thought you had to get in the portal uh, yeah. to get guys who are going to start right away for a team that he says wants to win now. I think his uh, him saying that he wants to build through high school, I think you're going to have to every year for UNLV, not just your first year, but every year at UNLV, you're probably going to have to go into the portal. Like that's going to be, I think, I, a reality yeah. and not just a, hey, we got two kids. I think it's going to have to be we got like seven to ten Five, kids seven, seven to eight. every year because that's because the reality is if you're at UNLV, if if you have good players, you're probably losing them to the portal. Mm-hmm. And it, the, the idea that you're going to build high, through high school and, hey, this kid's going to be here for three years and be a develop and all that. As soon as he's got a good season, that kid might be gone. You might be losing him and you can't just, oh, well, we're replacing him with a freshman that we brought in. You're, if you're going to build it that way, you're going to have to go to the portal 
to supplement. So I had uh, two main takeaways here. One bad, one good. My main concern, Barry Odom brought in 14 high school recruits. Ten of them are unranked by 24-7 sports. Four of them are three stars. That's not very good. That's bad even for UNLV to have 10 of 14 high schoolers that are just completely unranked. You can find plenty of examples of kids that are three stars or even kids that are unranked that go on to be good college football players. They go on to be good NFL players. But for the most part, if the majority of your class is built up by unranked kids, either you have to be the best talent evaluator in the country or you are swinging and missing a lot because there's a very small chance that 10 unranked kids actually develop into anything more than one or two usable college football players. Did not like that. If you're going to bring in a bunch of high schoolers, you need to bring in a bunch of ranked high school recruits. Like it can't be, if he wants to recruit at the high school level, he's, he cannot bring in a class of 20 high schoolers and 12 of them are unranked. You've got to bring in, you know, 15, three stars, two, four stars, and then like four or five unranked kids. It can't be 10 out of your 14 are unranked. So that I did not like, don't have much optimism there. The transfers though. Transfer from LSU is Xavier Carter. Xavier Carter um, played in 18 games at LSU the last two years, nine total tackles, one sack. Uh, Jalen Frazier, defense, defensive back from NC State, nine games last year, had one tackle, one interception. Jalen St. John from Arkansas didn't record a stat in 13 games over two years. Uh, they got a linebacker, Jackson Woodard, uh, 28 games at Arkansas, three seas, over three seasons, 16 tackles. They got a handful of guys that have played a little bit at the power five level, but not a lot. I don't hate that because Isn't you're basically that mostly the reason you transfer, right? You're basically saying, Hey, that guy, I want to play. He's not playing a lot at LSU. He's not playing right. a lot at Arkansas, but at UNLV, he should probably he be should a start starter. and play. And now are you going to hit on all four of those guys? Probably not. Right. But two, maybe three of those guys probably fair to say are going to be mountain West level starting players. And then what I, really like about the transfers he brought in. He got three legitimate starters from other schools. One is a kicker. They got Jose Pisano from Missouri State. What happened to what happened to Daniel? He's in the NFL draft. Yeah, he's he went to he went to the draft. But he's, he's only, gonna he's be only, drafted. He's only like twenty six. <laughs> so they got Jose got Pisano eligibility? a kicker from Missouri State who in his career is forty five of fifty four on field goals with a long of fifty one. That's probably a pretty good yeah, kicker. Yeah, it's probably a good kicker. But the other two that I think are, are maybe the most exciting of the transfers. Jack Haas. I don't know how to say his last name. There's a Z in there. It's very confusing. He's a transfer <laughs> from Buffalo. It's H-A-S-Z. Haas. Sure. <laughs> Why is there an S there? <laughs> just, just, there's a Z in there. There is. Silent. He's a transfer from Buffalo. Started all 12 games at center last year. Buffalo, well, they need a center. Buffalo's on par with UNLV in terms yeah, they of like need a center. how good you are. So you basically just stole a center. from right. an, Actually, Buffalo got the bowl game over UNLV. So Jack Haas is part of the reason UNLV didn't go to a bowl game last year. Um, but that's, that's a really good add. You can add from another group of five a starter. That's terrific. And then here's the maybe the biggest one. Jackson Turner, defensive back from Arizona, started 11 games for Arizona last year. Made 79 tackles, had two picks, forced two fumbles, had two tackle for loss. 
he started a power five level. Now, Arizona's not very good. No, but he started a power five level right. and he put up numbers. And actually has numbers. numbers there. That's like the biggest one where you look around and say, oh, wow. That is that is not a guy who couldn't get playing time at a power five level. That's not a guy at a group of five level that maybe wanted to go to a different city, different coach, different whatever. That's a guy who was playing at a power five level and producing that I assume probably could have gone to a different power five and had a really good right. chance to start. But instead, he's at UNLV. So I I like the seven transfers there. I think you got four guys that, hey, we're going to give them playing time and at least two or three of them should be competent Mountain West starters. And then you got three legitimate starters at the college football level that are coming to UNLV. I like that. Here's my overall summation, though, on his first recruiting class. Given that UNLV has lost quite a bit of talent to the portal slash like six guys declaring for the NFL draft, it's probably not a roster next season that is significantly better than this past season's roster, right? The talent overall on the roster is probably going to be about the same as it was last year. I think what that means for UNLV is that if they're going to go to a bowl game, it's going to be because Barry Odom is a good coach. Mm -hmm. And if you compare it to Marcus Arroyo, under Arroyo, UNLV, if they were going to go to a bowl game, it was going to be because Arroyo out-recruited the rest of the conference, or maybe not the whole conference, but he had a top three recruiting class every year. And, hey, we're just more talented than most of the teams in the Mountain West. Even if the coaching is subpar, we'll win six games. That was sort of the game plan under Arroyo. Under Odom, it looks like eh, the recruiting class wasn't that good. The transfers were all right, but the recruiting class was kind of bad. If they're going to go to a bowl game next year or at any point in the future, it's going to be because Barry Odom is a really good coach, at least a top half coach in the conference. They're not going to go play a Mountain West game and get out coached every time. Right. Like they pretty much did with Marcus Arroyo. So that to me is my overall takeaway is that if UNLV is going to a bowl game next year, it's going to be because Barry Odom is a good coach, not because he built some phenomenal roster that just can't lose to Mountain West teams. It's because He's well, got a comparable a roster that to whoever. That's true. It is. And he walks out there and, hey, he's the best coach on the field six or seven times next year. Right. And they go to a bowl game because of it. You act like it's like weird for a coach to call a timeout before a kickoff. <laughs> After the kickoff. <laughs> After the kickoff. <laughs> did he do it before? I don't know. I don't think he ever did it I thought before. he did one before, like coming out of halftime. That would be bad. I vaguely recall he you losing a, your he mind. He definitely did them afterwards. Yeah. Oh, he definitely called timeouts. They had to avoid delay of games after yeah. kickoffs with timeouts. He, they didn't do it this last year, though. He got that cleaned up. <laughs> I'm assuming he hired the Idaho State kid who was the timeout coordinator. <laughs> That's the 12 year old. Yes. He hired the 12 year old who told his dad what to do during that Idaho State. Did Barry game. Odom hire that kid? He needs to. <laughs> The best timeout coordinator in the business, right there. Besides Kate Manning on TV screaming, call a timeout. All right, coming up next, J.R. Starkist joins the show. I must find Clyden. Yeah, no, no problem. Yeah, he just left his baby with two drunk dudes. Reminds me of my dad. Only thing is, one, we're not babies. And two, we're not that drunk. It's never too early for him to mix up some drinks, even if it's only nine in the morning. 
Find out what's on tap with extreme mixologist J.R. Starkus. Follow him on Instagram at J.R. Makes Drinks. I love this part. He's the director of business development for Southern Glazers Wine Spirits and Beer of Nevada. Oh, man. This is awesome. You're yeah. getting good at this, man. Yeah. I remember I have two, two straight weeks. I remembered the beer. No, part. it's incredible. Yeah, I love it. Well. What do you and, and you know the company's happy about it too. Like, is the company just, happy oh, yeah, about it too? Or the, yeah, too. Well. Like, Jerry, you got to talk to that guy. Okay. He's not saying it right. I'm like, I know. All right, it's listen, been, Jerry. It's been a seven-year battle. <laughs> he he uh, committed the and beer part to memory. Now, I got so your beer, Jerry. <laughs> I don't think he's going to forget that. Don't don't cut the beer off in the future because then yeah, no, you cut it off. For. If you go beer and something else, yeah, forget yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. beer forget and CBD or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can't have that. Yeah, we just have to rename the company to something shorter. It is a long name, yeah. by the way. It is. Oh, I, I won't disagree. <laughs> I won't disagree with you. You know, it's like mergers and adding things, and the name just gets longer and yeah, longer. Yeah. Well, at least that's my email successful. is just in my email short, though. That's I'm glad they. Why you're a successful man? You keep adding stuff. <laughs> When's the last time you asked somebody, a stranger, to take a picture of you? Um, actually, me personally. Yeah. Or I mean, if you were with. Because like my wife, wife does it. All, my wife does it all the time. She does, all no time. problem. All, all the time, oh. all the time. Yeah, like we'll take selfies and stuff, but it is not uncommon for her at all to say, "Excuse me, I'm sorry. Would you mind taking a picture of us?" All the time, like we, like when you're out. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Like we went to. Um, my son loves watching Gordon Ramsay on television. He loves the fact that he just lights people up, <laughs> and right, you know, and so he has had this fascination with wanting to go to Hell's Kitchen. And so um, I took him to Hell's Kitchen for, for dinner one night kind of to celebrate his commitment to school and whatnot. And um, he, my, we, we took a picture outside, and we, I was just going to take a selfie. I'm like, hey, let's, let's take a selfie just to commemorate the evening. And naturally, my wife's like, no, 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 hold on. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Some random people. I'm like, one of these times, one of these people is just going to bolt with your phone, you know, and then, <laughs> and then it'll be left to me to chase them. Uh, but, yeah, so that it's, it's often. Okay. Often. The, no, so – my mom is wandering around the strip asking people who are taking selfies. Do, do you want me to? Do you want me to take your picture? Oh, my wife will do that as well. It's just. It's yeah. like. A, uh, okay, so we've just never met a stranger in our life. <laughs> yeah. No, just my, wander up to a group of people who obviously don't speak English and be like, you like start motioning. Yes, yes, yes. I take it. I'll take it for yeah, like, you, mom. We're never going to get to our destination if you keep doing this. What percentage of these photos? are unusable are like awful quality 50%. okay i thought so 50 yeah. yeah we you know we um it's funny because there's a, <laughs> there is the always the odd like hey can, you gotta hold I'll, it down uh, no but there's the the odd like i'll take your picture and we're like okay you know and we take the picture and then my wife gets the fun i mean how was it? she's like oh they're awful yeah. and i'm like and but she's not telling them no no of course not yeah, she's not okay. gonna be like oh could you retake no. it no you know she's like oh they're not very good she's, she's like, accepting I'll try to figure it. It. yeah she accepts it i'm like all right well does you want she, to just take a selfie? Does she have a scouting process on who to ask no. to take the photo? Because no. she might need that. There's not been a scouting process. Okay. Um, it's whoever's available. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the closest available. The closest and available willing, people. If you make eye contact, so that's the idea. Like, don't make eye contact. Like, that's my rule of thumb. Like, I just down. scanning oh, the yeah. you know, don't, uh. as soon as you get eye contact with those people, you're, boom, you're sucked no. in. No, well, the key is not to sucked like people. <laughs> well, yeah. Or I don't like people. Yeah, I don't like <laughs> yeah. people. Stay at home and don't like people and you won't ever have You'd to be take fine. a picture. Yeah, exactly. She needs a better scouting process. What would be the scouting process? Well, like, for example, I would not ask my dad. I would never ask my dad or now, my, my now, mom, frankly. Granted, my dad did actually take some photos that turned out very well for a Christmas card just a month ago, but I still would not ask him. 
if I was walking around like somebody take a photo, I would not be asking yeah. my dad to do it. I asked my dad to take a photo. So my so here's a quick. My dad has been, like his he's had the before he retired he had a cell phone, but he hated it. It's an electronic leash, Jr. I don't want that thing because it worked. Had smartphone. A uh, smart. Well, yes, kind of. I mean, he didn't is, use the smart no, no. part of it. So but. he would he would take the phone his cell phone and forward the number to the home line and throw the phone in the car and just be like, if they want to get a hold of me, they'll call the home number. And I'm like, that's not how it works, Dad. He's like, that's how I work. And I'm like, all right. So There's anyway. still a home number? Yes, he still has a home number. He does not have a cell phone. My mom does. He does not. Um, and I said, well, Dad, if, what if somebody wants to get a hold of you? To call the house. They'll leave a message. I said, but if you're playing golf, well, then I'll get it when I come home. It's not that important. What do they need? You know, it's like old, super old school mentality. I'm actually wow. a little jealous. Uh, yeah, it's, it is. It is. Life was so much better. It is. So... But, you know, like, so a smartphone like my iPhone here, like, if I, I ask my dad, hey, dad, will you take a photo of me and mom? Okay. How do I work this thing? I've just pushed the button, dad. Well, he took, like, 19 one-second, like, videos in a row. So I was like, geez, dad. I was like, you didn't take any. He's like, this is just, you keep moving. It's not taking up. I'm like, you have it on video. What? What are you talking about? I'm like, oh, forget it. So I, like, screenshot a One of the videos? And I'm like, this, this, this is gonna, yeah, this is gonna be it. And then I took a wow. selfie with my mom or something like that. But that's what I got. Like, literally, I looked at them all. They're all like us moving the whole videos. I'm like, oh god, it's brutal. It's great work. <laughs> all right, what are you making for us today? Oh man. Uh, so I wanted to make you a cocktail with a, pheno- a phenomenal whiskey called Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. Mm. Yes, it is. You know, it's one of those whiskeys. I believe I don't talk about it. Uh, really often because, frankly, it's not one of the big whiskey companies that is making it. Um, it, This is a smaller whiskey brand that I think deserves a place on anybody's bar at home and, and frankly, any bar in in Las Vegas. It's a very affordable brand and a brand that's got a really kind of a steep history. Um, But the story is is long, but I'll tell you this. The Tennessee whiskey, Nelson's Greenbrier, was the – premium and most selling Tennessee whiskey prior to prohibition. It sold more than any other Tennessee whiskey. And you're talking about early 1900s, right? In late 1800s, it was selling in somewhere in the vicinity of like 2 million bottles a year then, then. So incredible whiskey. Um, Prohibition hit, the whiskey became defunct. And then basically what happens after that is the, the recipe gets lost the great, great, great grandchildren um, basically rediscover the whiskey, the the recipe for the whiskey, which they had to find through a bunch of old archives because they never really gave up the the exact recipe. There wasn't it wasn't necessarily written down. Written down. But every year prior to prohibition, there would be like this party on the Fourth of July at the distillery, and and they would give tours, and during the tours, they would invite press. And they would tell them how the whiskeys were made. Well, the press would take those clippings and they would publish them. So they had to go back through these years and years of writings from these from from people in the 1900s that were publishing stories in the newspapers and reconstruct the the recipe. So Nelson's Greenbrier has a really steep history. I highly recommend you check it out. But it's phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. So I wanted to use it. So for this whiskey, for this cocktail today, we're going to use an ounce and a half of Nelson Greenbrier Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. We're also going to use 
a half of an ounce of Luxardo Maraschino liqueur. I've used this before. Again, right. uh, another staple on any kind of cocktail bar in, in the home bar. A little bit goes a long way, but when you taste Nelson's Greenbrier, to me, I pick up a lot of those kind of sour cherry and cherry notes that you get from aging of whiskey. And I get a lot of those similarities in the Luxardo cherry that in the flavors that carry us forward. So I'm accentuating the whiskey with a half of an ounce of Luxardo Maraschino. I'm going to add three quarters of an ounce of fresh lemon juice and then a half of an ounce of simple syrup, right? Super easy. You take those ingredients, shake them together, strain it into a cocktail glass. If you want, you could use like a Luxardo cherry, which we've used before as a garnish. Or what I did is I used a piece of uh, grapefruit and I just accentuated it with the oils of the grapefruit. Any ice? I dropped the grapefruit. The, it's shaken and strained into a cocktail glass. No ice. No ice. You don't, you don't want to dilute the whiskey. You're already diluting it by shaking it, frankly. Uh, but I don't want to dilute it anymore. Could you add it over ice? Sure, you could. But this style of drink really serves itself better to be served in a, in a, like in a chilled cocktail glass. So what I got from all that is the great, 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 great <laughs> grandchildren are Three rich. Uh, yes, or becoming very rich, yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. So uh, it is a tremendous, tremendous whiskey. I mean, you probably find it in the liquor store for, I'm going to guess, around 50 bucks. You know, I saw so, 35 when I oh, did Googled you see it. 35? Great. So, I mean, so I guess it probably just depends on where you shop. 35 to 50 bucks. Uh, it, worth it? it? Absolutely worth it. And the bottle's beautiful. It's got a very vintage look to it. The They reconstructed the original bottles, basically, and the original labels of Nelson's Greenbrier. So the label that is on the bottle now is what it used to look like in the early 1900s. I'm just trying to think which of my siblings, if we found out, oh, like three generations ago, your family made a whiskey and then it went away. I'm trying to think of which of my siblings would be like, all right, we're going to the library. We're trying to find this 1885 newspaper article to figure out how the hell to make this whiskey. Well, think about it like from now, like in generations from now, somebody's going to be like, yeah, my, my uncle Tyler, like he used to talk into a microphone on the radio. Like, <laughs> What's a microphone? What is a mic? What is it? What, like, listen, listen they to had these live podcast. Yeah, listen, <laughs> listen to these things. Like, and he's wearing those headphones and there's like a wire attached to it. What is happening? Like, you know, he drove with this car thing. Yeah. Every gonna... Thursday he talked about booze. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the best part of his week. It I'm was, sure. obviously. I get to learn about great, great grandkids digging up. Newspaper articles. I'm going to make a drink at some point with something from Chick-fil-A for you. You don't have to do that for me. Oh, that's fine. Oh, I was thinking one of those outrageous Bloody Marys where literally there's Mm. a whole chicken strip for some reason. Well, you know what I I would do is I would use that, what do they call that sauce, That the Chick-fil-A sauce? The Polynesian sauce? There's there's Chick-fil-A sauce, which is like a honey mustard, but better. And then there's Polynesian sauce, which is like... What's the pinkish one, I guess? That's Polynesian. Okay, yeah. yeah, I don't even know how to describe it. It's good, but... Which one do you like better? Uh... Uh, Chick-fil-A sauce. I eat both of them, but yeah, Chick- Chick-fil-A sauce. I mean, Chick-fil-A you... sauce for uh, fries, Polynesian sauce for nuggets. I went yesterday, just the sandwich and a lemonade sauce. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, just went straight. Took I don't, it straight. I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't get the it. The sandwich? I don't get it. Sandwich. I, I oh, mean, it's listen, good. it's fine. I don't understand the obsession. It's good, oh, but oh, I do not oh, understand oh. this obsession. Before we do anything, let me check to see if they're a sponsor. <laughs> we know they're not. Yeah, Otherwise, we'd yeah. be their favorite show. Yeah, and there'd be bags all over this place right here. But uh, no, I, I, I it's, we it's fine. Country, but I don't understand. How often in a year will you obsess about fast food restaurants? Yeah, how often in a year will you go? Um, without being forced, zero. Without being forced. Who Thank forced you? you? Does my the son, kid like it? My son. My son would be like, "Hey, let's go." To, like, if he said, "Hey, I want to go to Chick Fil A," and I was hungry, I'd be like, "All right, I'll eat there." I'm not gonna. But I do not get the obsession. Like, oh, I gotta have Chick Fil A. 
some of the families that we know that we obviously playing baseball and you're in the, they have it like every weekend. It's like it's like a staple. And I know people obsess over it. I, I but to me, I'm like, it's. I mean, it's fine. I'll eat it, but I do not un- understand the obsession. <sighs> it is approximately thirty percent of all Mississippians' diet. That's. No, I mean, I, Jr. Frankly, we I'm are on the same page. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, it's it's fine, but I just don't understand like why people like have to seek I it mean, out. There's another thing that is a sponsor that we'll talk about off air that I don't understand. <laughs> okay. Very but my good. sister always makes me go there. He is our extreme mixologist, J.R. Starkis, from Southern Glazers Wine Spirits and Beer of Nevada. (laughs) Thanks, J.R. Thanks, buddy. We've got Black Crows tickets to give away. They are coming to Las Vegas playing at the Pearl at the Palm, 702-364-1100. That's the phone number. If you want to go see the Black Crows, be caller number six right now at 702-364-1100. Hey, Derek, this is Tyler Bischoff and Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas. Hey, buddy. Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, You are our winner to a pair of tickets to the 20th Annual Hall of Fame Players Party that's at Resorts World tomorrow, February 3rd, where you get to hang out with Charles Woodson, Warren Moon, Shannon Sharp, and other NFL Hall of Famers. So congratulations, Derek. Good job. That's that's awesome. Appreciate it. Uh, How many other winners? I think you're the only no, one, right? You're solo, man. Yeah. I think you're solo. Just you. Yeah, we qualified winners every week yeah. and, or all week. Yeah, you yeah. are. Derek Absolutely. is special. So, uh, again, that is tomorrow. It's the Hall of Fame party. Uh, it, Charles Woodson, do you have any favorite players that are in the Hall of Fame? Um, Any favorite players that are in the Hall of Fame? I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm an Eagles fan, so I don't think there's many... Eagle Hall of Famer. Okay. Is Randall Cunningham in there? Uh, I don't know if he is. You'll have to wait a few years. Jason Kelsey will get in there in a couple of years. Oh, there we go. Yeah. All right. So uh, make sure you don't try to fight Shannon Sharp like the Memphis Grizzlies did. Uh, that'll probably go poorly for you. But uh, Derek, enjoy the Super Bowl. Yeah. I would ask you for a pick, but I'm guessing you already we already know who it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Eagles all the way. All Take right. some selfies. <laughs> Take some selfies. <laughs> all right, Derek, uh, hang on the line for a second. got to get you some more information to get you these tickets. Uh, but congrats, Derek. Congrats, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Hopefully Derek asks Shannon Sharp to take a picture of him and somebody else at that party. Might be GR's wife. Might be. GR. <laughs> Maybe they're going. GR goes to a lot of high-end things, just man. Just find Shannon Sharp and is yeah. like, hey, can you take a picture of us? That'd be great. Um, it would be a much more memorable memorable event if Shannon Sharp did try to trash talk and fight somebody like he did against yes. the Lakers or against the Grizzlies, I should say, while cheering for the Lakers. That would make it fun. It's not our guy that won. Leave him yeah. alone. Yeah, we could call him up. And see It'd be a memory works. that would last forever. <laughs> yeah. Does Shannon Sharp wear his oversized cardigan again? Would we call that oversized? Because it seemed okay, to fit. Oversized for a normal just person. Big. You're right. You're right. Oversized just for a normal person. But I hope he wears his car. I, he should be allowed to show up in his cardigan instead of. I assume he's got to wear like a tuxedo or something. But hopefully he shows up in his cardigan. I mean, I assume if it's Hall of Famer, you show up in the. Oh, the gold jacket. That's a good point. Like they give yeah. you the gold jacket. One of my favorite John Lynch stories of all time is he was doing. Uh, he was like the number three color analyst. And uh, someone, like the head of Fox programming, called him and went, you won a Super Bowl, didn't you? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, if you ever appear on my air not wearing your Super Bowl ring, you're fired. <laughs> Aikman wears his. Yeah. Because he gets fired his. if yeah. you don't. Aikman wears his. 
It's apparently the requirement. Bring out your ring. So I'm guessing Super Bowl ring, gold jacket. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Shannon won three. So will Brady have to wear seven Super Bowl rings when he calls games? I would hope they just give him a necklace. (laughs) And they're all hanging down. (laughs) Clink, clink. Yeah, just every time he moves. clink, clink. Yeah, Shannon won three. Pro Football Hall of Fame. Wear Wear the gold jacket. Wait, Ravens, Broncos? Broncos. Two Broncos. Broncos went back to back. Yeah, yeah. Two Broncos and a Ravens. Yeah, all right. So he can fight Dylan Brooks or whoever else from the Grizzlies if he wants to. And he probably still could win. Yeah. Most of those fights. Maybe not Steven Adams, but most of them. Uh, I think my favorite part of the show today was Mike Grimala telling us that UNLV believes Keyshawn Gilbert plays better when, when he has fun. When he's having, when he's having fun. fun. Why wouldn't you have fun all the time? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that's genuinely when we had our first show meeting for the new version of the press boxes, what I put at the top of the have list. Fun. Like, the show's going to be better if you guys are having fun. Yes. I don't want anyone not having fun. But, but I think it's a case of he's has fun when he plays well, not the other way around. Okay. I think they have the causation backwards. They're viewing it as is like, oh, when he's smiling and laughing, he's great. And it's like, no, when he's great, he's smiling and yeah. laughing. Yeah, but I also think that there's a certain energy you bring in. So if you're like already say, laughing, like, you having start a good the time, game, you should be starting the game like that. You you're know, college if, basketball. If you're dancing during warm ups, yeah, yeah, okay, that guy's going to be having fun. Yeah. I did enjoy that Mike Ravala's definition of fun was a birthday cake. <laughs> It's great. He loves baking. <laughs> I understand, but like... He likes cake. No icing, but he likes cake. My idea of fun is like, I would, I'd would go roller coasters, uh, like comedy, something like that. His is, here's a whole birthday cake. Go out there and go for a triple-double. It made sense more, it made more sense that Paloma took the picture. I don't know if I could see Grimala walking up to a stranger saying, can you take a picture of me alone? Yeah, the alone part's the... It's... Take a picture of me holding, because it's him holding a book in a bookstore. Mike asking a random stranger, hey, I need to pose with this book. Yeah. That would have been phenomenal. I don't know if that's going to happen. I And I know that he works with them on a daily basis, but I still want to, at some point, see Mike Ramallah go, would you like to have breakfast and then go to a bookstore and take my picture? <laughs> well, Mike... Okay, I'll ask Paloma. Mike goes to a bookstore or a library on every road trip. Mm-hmm. Or at least it tries to do it on every road trip. And apparently a drive-in movie theater is added to his list when he can find one. But he goes to a bookstore or a library every time he goes with UNLV on the road. So he probably planned out, where's the bookstore? Oh, In Fort a, Collins. There's a breakfast place next to it, so I'll yeah. go eat breakfast there. How did we not ask him what he ate? Wheat toast, no butter? Oh, we totally blew it. Does he eat eggs? No. I don't think he likes the consistency or the texture of eggs. <laughs> he has used those two words a he's lot. Very big on the, he's very big on the big on consistency and texture. So I don't, I'm going to say no, he doesn't like eggs. Because I don't think he's going to like the texture of scrambled eggs. And God forbid he actually. Oh, like over easy where, the, where the yolk comes the out? Yolk no. Comes and it might touch the out. bread? Oh, There's we no should, We should make him have, have to do the yolk challenge where you just literally take the whole yolk of the egg and put it in your mouth oh. and bite into it so that it squirts like a gusher. I don't <laughs> want to do that, let no. alone Mike. The thing is with Mike, anytime we make him eat something, it's just a normal thing that I would do yes. at any given day. We don't. It's not, hey, do some strange food thing. It's like, oh, 
Here's never, a taco. You've never had ranch before. Dip this carrot in the ranch and tell me how yeah. you feel. 